Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and this is episode 51. Well, get ready to wrap your brain around this. According to the American Psychological Association, Advertisers spend more than $12 billion a year marketing towards our kids. This means your child will view between four to 10,000 marketing messages daily. Wow. So today, you'll want to listen closely as Corey interviews CPYU president Walt Mueller. He shares this hard truth with us, that the greatest power of marketing is not to sell a product, but it's to sell a worldview. And shockingly, this starts at the age of 13 months old. So before we dig further, head on over to our website at BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible2School.com. And click on the podcast tab where you'll find all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bible2School, where you can comment on these episodes and voice your ideas to us. Our goal here is to share simple, easy, and fun ways to talk to kids about Jesus. So I'm sure you all have tricks up your sleeve that we would love to hear about. So now, let's jump on over to Corey's conversation with Walt as they discuss how and why marketers target our kids and what we can do about it. Well, Walt Mueller, welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. We are so excited to have you. You are a personal friend of mine, so welcome. Thanks, Corey. It's fun to to be here to chat with you. Well, Walt, many people don't know this, but you actually are on a video on our website in our training because you are a expert in youth culture. So you have the organization called CPYU, Center for Parent Youth Understanding. First of all, tell us about you and then tell us about CPYU. Got got it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to do this. So CPYU, the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, has been around for 33 years now. We're looking forward to at least 33 more. I don't think I'll be around for the the latter part of that. but. We're working very hard to equip parents and youth workers, people who work with children, teenagers, pastors, educators, anybody who cares about kids. We're working to help them understand how children and teens really are a cross-cultural mission field for the gospel. They're growing up in a world that's very different from the world that we grew up in, and culture is changing and changing at breakneck speed. So we are working hard to, to keep our ear to the ground of what's happening in culture, you know, what are the trends, what is behind those trends, what are the ideas, what are the values, what are the worldviews, and then how do we cross cultures as older folks uh, to minister to young people and present the gospel in ways that, that they can hear and understand. Wow, that's so important. I just think of you guys as the interpreters of culture to us poor parents. You're right, it keeps coming at us. Grandparents, too, we don't, we don't know what's going on. And so CPYU has a great niche and there's a great resource. Tell us about your family a little bit too. Yeah. Want to hear about yeah. you and your, your life? Uh, pretty exciting. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Lisa and I, my wife, we celebrated our 40th anniversary. 
exciting, you know, to be able to think back over that. It was quite emotional for me as I thought back over those years and how we met and, you know, everything related to that. But it was a blink. It was also a reminder of how fast time flies, right? And the scripture yeah. tells us that, you know, it's like grass that grows up and then by the end of the day withers. So anyway, but but that's been a joy. We have four children, all adults. Three of them are married. We have six grandchildren. And I'll tell you with that, I cannot, like we were talking beforehand here, just the way the world has changed. You know, my dad, it used to be when my kids were little, we would get together for a holiday. And it was sort of a tradition that at some point at the end of the meal, he would look around and just look at us and say, I don't know how you guys are doing. I'm so glad I'm not raising children in today's world. Well, (laughs) now we look at our grandchildren who are being raised by our children. We say the same thing. Same thing. However, you know, what we have to remember is we're not here by accident. I mean, God, it's just like Jesus was a particular man, particular time, particular place, particular message with particular people. God and his design and his sovereignty and his providence has put us in the same way. So it's not a mistake that we're here as moms and dads and as grandparents with these kids in these particular times. And we have to lean into that and realize we can't throw up our arms and give up, but rather know the times. You know, like in the Old Testament, we read about the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. And so we need to be men and women of Issachar who understand the times and know what the church should do. What do we do as believers? And really, it's, uh, I'll say two things about that. One, obviously, when we read the scriptures, we're, we're called, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans, to be countercultural. That's our act of worship to God and gratitude for what he's done for us, you know, Romans 12. And then also, I think it's just important for us to realize that it's a changing world and we have to listen both to God's word and also to the culture. And that's what we're trying to do at CPYU is is give you some input on the culture, some knowledge of the culture. It's changing and, and it's hard for us to keep up with it here. I can't imagine what it's like, you know, for others. This is our job. This is our calling. This is what we do. Well, you all make it easy. There are so many topics, and we're going to talk about your website in in a minute, but I would like to kind of dive into the topic, with specific topic that people ask us a lot about, and that is the media and the marketing. And and I had heard you speak on this years ago that would help our listeners because According to speaking of statistics and things are going on, according to the American Psychological Association, it's estimated that advertisers spend more than 12 billion per year, 12 billion to reach the youth market and children. And they view more than 40,000 commercials a year. Can you believe that? I can't believe that. I mean, and then they they said that kids are actually exposed to 4,000 to 10,000 different marketing message each day. Yeah. So tell us about the marketers. Tell us about what you know about them. Well, this is really interesting. There's so much there. And, you know, over the years, we have dug into who are the influencers, right? And Mm -hmm. we want to understand who the influencers are and how they influence and what they're influencing us and our kids to be, to believe, you know, how to behave, that whole thing. And it's powerful. So first thing I would say is, For those who are listening who are older, and if you're as old as me, you remember that when you would turn on the television, this was long before the internet and the smartphones, right? You turn on the television, and I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, you basically had three commercial networks, ABC, NBC, CBS. Mm -hmm. And the shows were paid for by people who would 
you know, insert their marketing messages there, right? TV commercials. Yeah. Now we have, I can't even, how can we put a number on the number of networks and cable outlets? I mean, there's something for everybody, right? And then, you know, right. we have a smart TV. I turn it on and it seems like if I go over to the part that's the internet, there's all these new ways to access information. What people need to understand is this. All those places exist, not so much to deliver content to us, but to deliver our minds and our hearts, the minds and hearts of our kids, the people who have something to sell. The actual mm. product that's being sold by those networks, it's our attention. And there's been a lot written on this lately, and, and there's a lot of science behind it, a lot of psychology behind it on how to manipulate us to A, grab our attention, and then B, manipulate our attention into selling products. And the one thing I will say, Corey, that's really important for parents to understand is, and you mentioned it, four to 10,000 marketing messages a day. I mean, think about with smartphones, right? Just mm -hmm. you and I, we have smartphones and we, we have a discussion with somebody across the room about a particular thing. And then all of a sudden we have an ad pop up for things that relate to that because our phones are listening to us. That's another aside. That's why in our home, we don't have one of those devices that we can tell to do things, you know, like Alexa or otherwise, because who knows what's happening there. But here's the thing. If I'm seeing four to 10,000 marketing messages a day, and I'm a child, and I'm very impressionable as a child, because I believe anything an adult says, that's just where I'm at right. developmentally. The greatest power of marketing is not to sell a product, but to sell a worldview. And that mm. worldview is basically our beliefs about our identity, and what we're to believe about life and the meaning of life and the purpose of life. And those beliefs always translate into behaviors. And usually by the time a child's about 13 to 15, that worldview is established and they're going to live out of that for the rest of their lives. So it's important for us to realize kids will never buy the four to 10,000 products that they may see advertised in a particular day. Right. They don't even have the money to do so. <laughs> right. Exactly. But just like a little pebble in a stream, there's messages there about identity and worldview that will shape or misshape them more, you know, more frequently or form. And I would say deform them when it goes against the truths of God's word. So it's incredibly powerful. And that's why we can't just say, oh, a commercial, oh, an ad, you know, they're benign, they're neutral. It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. That's one of the most powerful life shapers out there is, is the world of marketing. And I went to a kid's marketing conference years ago as a fly on the wall. And I sat there with about 300 for several days with about 300 corporation executives, marketers from everything from the NFL to John Deere to whoever else. I listened to them get taught and I listened to them ask their questions about how to manipulate kids into making purchases. And it is, it is powerful. Wow. Wow. Well, tell us, and then this is what I love because we are on the same plane. We want to get the word of God into children. We want to help adults get the word of God into children, pastors, aunts, uncles. But why do you think it's so important that we teach our children to filter out these messages? Because yeah. you know, they're coming at you. You can't do anything about it. But right. how do you filter them? How, why is it so important to get them to filter them? Yeah. So, so one thing I want to say is, you know, I want to be sure people hear this. And I don't believe that marketing is evil. We need marketing. That's how we learn about things, right? Bible to right. school. You folks have to communicate. That's marketing, right? And, mm -hmm. and here at CPYU, we do the same thing. It's just how we do marketing that can become evil. You know, in other words, does it point us? And these are the questions we need to ask. Is this pointing me towards things in a direction that bring honor and glory to God and further the kingdom of God? Or is this 
promoting ideas or values or even products that serve more, you know, what the scriptures call the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's problematic. And that's why we want to get our kids thinking. Because as you said, they're going to have this for the rest of their lives. And the greater the amount of technology, you know, when you look at the statistics that just came out at the end of this last year on how much time kids spend with their screens for entertainment purposes, not in school or for educational purposes. When you're talking about eight to 18 year olds, it's anywhere from almost six hours a day to almost nine hours a day. It's unbelievable when you think about that. And none of us are having deep, meaningful conversations with our individual children for six to nine hours a day. Our influence is powerful, (laughs) no doubt, but they're locked in, their eyes and and their minds and hearts are locked in on those screens. So we want to teach them to think critically and Christianly, to process these things. And I truly believe we put together some things here at CPYU to help parents and, and others do that. The reason is that if you practice that and you teach a child to do that when they're young, it'll become a second nature skill that will yes. serve them well for the rest of their lives. And what you're teaching is it's discipleship, right? You're teaching discernment, being able to know what God's good and perfect will is. And Paul talks about that in the first part of Romans 12 as well. Yeah, because kids don't realize that people on commercials are paid actors or you know, they have a hard time separating what's real and what isn't. So putting it through the lens of the Bible and and someone, you know, God, who the God who made you, I've actually had these conversations with children at Bible to school, and they really don't even think of this, this at all. Like, oh, wow, I, I didn't think about that. And so it's so important as adults in their life to speak into that, whether you're an aunt or an uncle and whoever you have in your life to you know, ask them questions about it. Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you say, well, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I would go even further and say, as as you said, you know, kids have no idea. Mm -hmm. I have found that adults have no idea. And I would even go a step further and say that Christian adults by and large have no idea. We just think this stuff is, you know, neutral and benign, as I said, and it really doesn't have an influence, but over time, boy, it just, because it tells you the way the world is. And it paints typically false pictures that then lead us into living in ways that really is for self rather than for God. So I think it's really important. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Do we live close to where Jesus grew up? For those of us living in the United States, the answer is no, we don't live close to where Jesus grew up. Although there is a town called Nazareth in Pennsylvania. There's one in Kentucky, and there's even a Nazareth in the state of Texas. But Jesus grew up in the town called Nazareth, located in the present-day country of Israel. We love that our children are hungry to know all about Jesus, right down to learning where he grew up and imagining what his childhood would have been like there. My husband and I kind of have a little running joke at some of the shows that we watch, and there's always a a drug commercial that's coming on or something. And after a while, I'm like, you know, I feel like I have that. I feel, you know, I start feeling like I might have all those symptoms, you know, because it's just that power of suggestion constantly at you. Maybe the first or second one, you're like, ah, it's not a big deal. But after you hear it 10 times, you you almost start, you start believing things or start thinking, thinking you do. Why do you think that children are so highly targeted by marketers? Why do, you, why do you think children are? There's numerous reasons for that. One would be that kids have, look, little kids don't have a ton of money, but they do have some money. 
They also have tremendous spending influence over their parents. This is why, you know, a couple of decades ago, that this reality led to a car manufacturer putting an advertisement in Sports Illustrated for Kids for a minivan. The upper, the print ad in that particular issue of that magazine, they knew when they placed that in there that the upper level of kids that read that, it's age 12. That's like the, those kids don't drive. Why was there an ad for a minivan in Sports Illustrated for Kids? Because kids have spending influence. And that's increased over the years because parents, by and large, are finding it harder and harder, or they're choosing to say yes to everything and not say no. There's numerous, that's a whole other podcast we could do, right? <laughs> yeah. that. But so they have that, they have that spending influence. They're also easily influenced. So what they believe now, what they're led to believe now, they'll believe for the rest of their lives. And the marketers want to develop brand loyalty. There was some research done years ago that said that if they can get it, if a brand could get a child, like let's say a popular soft drink brand could get a child committed to their brand at a young age, that brand devotion would be worth, fasten your seatbelt here, $100,000 to that brand over the course of the lifetime of that child. That's oh, wow. not because the child would spend $100,000 on that particular brand, but that child would spend money on the brand plus have influence on their peers. That would filter out and you know, would just kind of go viral. And so that's how they figured that out. And so you know, that's why, again, that's, those are just some of the reasons why advertisers are targeting kids. So tell me, how young are the children's and the teens affected? Like, how, how low do they go with, with yeah. ads? Well, it's interesting. Well, when I went to that marketing conference, we were there to talk about marketing to children. So, you know, everybody from birth on up. And I was surprised to hear about how they would market to, to, to kids from the time they emerged from the womb. And at the time, I don't know if this is the case now. If it's not, I would say it would trend downward. But they were saying that at about the age of 16, 17, 18 months, kids would be able to recognize brands and have preferred brands. Wow. I kind of, I mean, think about the way God made us and think about the complexity of our brains and we have been made to worship, right? Mm -hmm. We've been made to connect. We've been made to relate. So that is really innate in, in the fabric of who we are. And because of that, at a younger age, that they will target kids at those young ages. How would you say young children and teens are affected differently by, yeah. by ad messages then? That's a great question. So both groups are locked in developmental processes. And both groups are trying to find answers to two of the main developmental questions. The first one would be, I mentioned earlier, who am I? That's the identity issue. And there's so much out there now on identity that's being uh, spoken to to try to shape or misshape our understanding of identity. And the second developmental question would be, what do I believe? You know, that's worldview formation. And now both age groups are, are locked in those tasks. Younger children, because they, they don't think abstractly, they think more in black and white terms, they believe anything an adult tells them. So if they hear it and they see it, that's the way it is. This is why we are telling parents now here at CPYU, you need to have uh, serious conversations that may be difficult conversations with your kids about matters of sexuality and gender at very young ages, because that's happening in the preschool. That's happening on the television shows that are targeting right. kids. And whoever mm -hmm. speaks to a child first about these matters or any matter for that matter mm -hmm. is going to set the bar for truth and everything else will be judged against that, what they hear first. So we want to 
be speaking to them first. Teenagers, they're a bit different because their brains are changing and growing. They're not fully formed till about the age of 24, 25 by God's design. And they're now able to think more abstractly. It's not fully formed, obviously, until those older ages. But they do think, and and I can say this from first-person experience because I thought this way when I was about 13 or 14, I thought I knew everything. And I thought (laughs) my parents knew nothing. And I thought I could make all the decisions for myself. What I didn't realize was my frontal lobe wasn't fully formed. That's by God's design. That's the part responsible for executive functioning, you know, decision-making, impulse control. And so I made a lot of very stupid decisions, some of them very immoral, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is where because I was questioning, because teenagers are questioning things, they will actually now go to the advertising and rather than just believing everything that's said, they will really ask their questions of advertising and it will influence them. They'll process it, but whatever's being said the most, that's what they'll lean into. And so this is where I say that youth workers and parents really need to be diligent in this because of where kids are at developmentally, children and also teens. And we have to, I often say it this way, we have to function and this will create lots of tension in the home. You know this, Corey, because mm-hmm. uh, we both raised teenagers, right? We have to function sometimes by God's design as the frontal lobe, building borders and boundaries for our kids when they're in their teenage years. So talking about advertising is a big part of that. Even if they don't like it, even if it's something that they can't understand, they thank you for it later. They really do. And I like I have I have 20 year olds as well. And yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. We have to wrap up here pretty soon, Walt, but I do want to ask you two more questions. Encouraging parents to openly discuss topics seen on ads. Tell us about how would you do that? How would you approach that? Give us some ideas. Right. And that's a good question. We may lament the fact that our kids are seeing these ads, or we may be sitting in the room with them if we're watching something together and an ad will come on and we're like, oh, thinking in our head, I got to turn that off. No, see it as an opportunity. The ad is raising issues and topics that matter to kids, and it's a great way to bring the truths of God's Word to bear on the realities that exist. I often think about how Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking to people and say, you've heard it said that. He would lay out the old way of thinking, and then he would say, but I tell you, and then he would lay out the new way of thinking. And he probably did this hundreds of times over the course of his ministry, and it's recorded several times in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's take that approach, right? Okay, mm-hmm. that ad just told us this is the way it is. But here's another way of thinking about it and bring in whatever God's word would say on that particular topic that was addressed. And that means that parents need to be steeped in the truths of God's word. That's That's their responsibility, right? Obviously, on a daily basis to be studying God's word. I actually have a personal example of that because since I have three boys, the Super Bowl ads, some of them were very risque. It was very embarrassing for me as a mother to be sitting in the room. I wanted to leave the room when those happened, but instead, my husband and I said, look at that. That is so sad that they're using her body to do that. That is not really, you know, and my dad, my husband would speak into, well, modesty is really a beautiful thing and you don't have to see everything. And, and they were only 10, 11, 12, love, you know, love football. And it really hit into them. So I noticed that the girls that they date are all girls that dress very modestly and things like that. So you really can influence your children, even though that junk is coming at you on the TV. Oh yeah. Teachable moments come at us at breakneck speed every day, and we can't ignore them. We need to grab them because I say it this way, the culture is catechizing and training and teaching our kids 24 seven in today's world. 
And that means we need to be more diligent, seize every opportunity to do the same from a Christian perspective. Well, Walt, you have lots of resources for our listeners, and I I know you have one called The Simple Seven. Can you talk to us about that resource? Yeah, that relates to what we're talking about here. You know, it's not enough for us here at CPYU to make parents aware of the issues and say, here's the problem, do something about it. We want to give resources and a very popular resource that people can access on our website. You can come and just at cpyu.org and search for it. It's free. It's a download. We have put together a series of ad filtering questions. There are seven primary questions that we call the simple seven, and you can filter any advertisement, whether it's print, commercial, online, whatever, through this. Do you want me to give what the questions are? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. go ahead. So very quickly, I'll just tell you, you want to start by saying, what is what product is this ad selling? And sometimes we don't even know what it is, right? Right. Uh, ads tell stories and we have to look hard to see what the actual product is. So we decide, you know, we figure out together what that is. Secondly, what besides the product does the ad sell? Are there ideas? Is there a lifestyle? Is there a worldview? Is there a message on identity? Are there behaviors that are promoted? The third question is, what kind of uh, strategies are they using to try to bait me in, to hook me, to make a promise? Number four is complete this sentence. It's kind of a fill in the blank. You know, it says, so this ad tells me use whatever the product is, you fill it in, and then the result. You know, what what does the ad promise? So what is the what is the effect, all right, of using this? What is the promise it's made? Then you get to the point where you start to ask a couple of very serious questions to finish it out. Uh, does the ad tell the truth? What truth is it telling? Mm. How is it telling the truth? Or the opposite, is this ad actually lying to me? What is a lie and how is it lying? And then the last question, the seventh is this, how does this ad and its messages agree or disagree with God's truth? And what does that mean for me? And so what it does is you, you actually are using advertisements to not only expose the lies of the world, and then you can find truth, of course, as well. You'll find some of that. But, but then you, you put it up against God's word. So it's a way to lead kids into Bible study and see how the scriptures speak to the realities that exist in the world around us. That's great, Walt. We just love what you do at CPYU. You have so many resources on your website. Besides that, uh, can you, so it's going to be at cpyu.org and we'll, we'll have that on our show notes. But um, could you please, for our listeners, could you pray over us and over sure. our kids and over this whole idea of marketing that is kind of overwhelming, but you guys are making it easier? Yes, absolutely. I would love to do that. Father, we're grateful for this time to talk about the precious gift of our children, the precious gift of our teenagers, and the great and wonderful gift of your word, the word incarnate, Jesus Christ, and then the word revealed to us in the Bible. And we're grateful, Lord, for opportunities that the world gives us to speak truth into the lives of our kids. And I pray that those who are listening would take seriously the presence of marketing. They would take seriously the power of marketing in our world uh, to persuade, not just to buy product, but to become a certain kind of person or to believe and behave in a certain way. And we pray that you would give us minds and hearts that would be shaped by your word in ways that would build skills of discernment, that we would see things through your eyes, and that we would be bold enough to share with our children what your word has to say about what's happening in the world today. Bless uh, the families that are represented here. Bless the children, and we pray that 
that your spirit would work in their hearts to uh, drive them to you and to the cross. Thank you for Bible School, for the ministry they have, for all their volunteers, and it's in Christ's name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Walt. Thank you. All right, friends, what's your takeaway from this topic? I'm over here breathing a huge sigh of relief that I don't have to turn off our TV every two seconds. Rather, I can look for chances to start a conversation, maybe even using Walt's simple seven questions, and bring God's truth to the ads that we're viewing. Are you learning for the first time today how strategic these marketers are towards targeting your children? My challenge to you this week is to start a conversation with a child in your life, ask them a question about an ad you saw together, and determine whether it's the truth or a lie, whether it agrees or disagrees with God's truth, and what that means for them. So what a perfect time to ask. Does your child have a Bible to school program in their district? After hearing how the outside world is influencing our kids, and at such an early age, it's great to know a program like Bible to School exists. And it's really easy to activate in your school. A curriculum centered around a biblical worldview, Bible to School teaches second through fourth graders about the Old Testament, New Testament, and discipleship. And it answers their many questions with excellence. Join us in our mission to help reach your local public school with the message of Jesus. Go on over to our website, bible2school.com, and fill out our Contact Us form. We'll reach out to you to get this discussion started. Then, while you're already on our website, click on that podcast tab to grab the show notes from today and click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Then you can join us next week as Corey talks to Jesse Seneca about kids battling insecurity. Absolute perfect timing as we are here in the middle of summer getting ready to gear up for a new school year already. You won't want to miss this conversation. So until then, have a great week. And remember, you can tell the children about Jesus.